1: Podcast.
2: Welcome back to another episode of the Packaday Podcast. You can get all your Pack-A-Day updates by following us on Twitter at Packaday Podcast. And remember, you can always subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, or Spotify. And of course, you can check us out over at CheeseHeadTV.com. I'm Kyle Fellows and I am here with Andrew Mertig. It's a Friday. We're excited to be back. Andrew, how's it going, man?
3: Yeah, it's great to be back. Super excited that it's Friday. This week has been nuts. Uh, Before I forget to say it, go Bucks! And this is episode 1087, and everybody assumes you say 87, got to go with Jordy Nelson, right? Right. Robert Brooks would be a good alternative, too. But Mm. for me, only 187 that counts, and that is Willie Davis. Willie Davis. That was,
2: it. that was yeah, that was that mind. was it yeah yeah packers could have taken willie davis or uh his son right in this draft but they didn't Grand, so. grandson yeah grandson okay i guess he is a little bit older my bad my fault i thought you were gonna go with jace sternberger here you know and just keep things really really recent really young go with the emerging talent you're not feeling like jace is putting a lot of pressure on robert brooks as far as i would the,
3: like to keep it classic
2: you okay know? <laughs> all right i like it all right so should we tell people what we're doing today Yeah, probably. Okay, let's get into the meat of the show. So, Andrew and I are in the middle of a series that we do every single summer where we preview the Packers' upcoming opponents for the fall. So, so far, we have worked our way through the NFC North with the Vikings, the Bears, and the Lions. They each got their own show. We did a full episode on those teams. Last week, we talked about the Saints, the 49ers, and the Steelers. And today, we're really going to dig into the Bengals, the Washington football team, and the Arizona Cardinals. And I'm really excited about this show today. We're going to have some fun. Uh, we're going to talk about each team's free agent additions, their subtractions, their draft picks, and try to gain a picture of what we as fans should expect when they cross paths with each of these teams later this fall.
3: Yeah, and it's so funny because when we were laying out like which teams we were going to do when, we got to this portion of the schedule, and I, I remember being like, oof, This is going to be rough. You know, Bengals, Washington football team, Arizona Cardinals. Does anybody care about this? And I guess talking the listeners into listening inside of the episode doesn't make a ton of sense because you're either listening or you're not. But I will tell you that even though these may not be super interesting on the surface, these are the teams we know the least about. And so digging into what they did, many of the moves that they made didn't necessarily resonate in my head. There were a few that the Cardinals made that, of course, everybody knew about, but um, you know we'll we'll get into that. And so you know obviously when we're talking about transactions, we jump into free agency, and and we're gonna start with Cincinnati Bengals because they come up uh, first on the Packers schedule, and there were a bunch of resignings, and I'm not gonna go through every single one of them because honestly this is pretty dull. Uh, but you know you have punter Kevin Huber. Uh, running back Samaje well, receiver Mike Thomas, Lyman, Quentin Spain, uh, defense tackle Mike Daniels, cornerback Tony Brown. There's a couple of former Packers in there. Um, so basically what I'm looking at here uh, when I am breaking this down is Mike Daniels is back. And <laughs> at a bad team that doesn't really bring back any of their veterans? Well, that's probably a good move. You know, they're clearly committed to getting younger and changing the culture. Um, so who did they lose they lost wide receiver A.J. Green, running back Geo Bernard, defense lineman Gino Atkins, some huge, huge names there, right? Uh, kicker Randy Bullock. There's a bunch of, like, odds and ends and transactions. But defense lineman Carl Lawson, or Edge, depending on how you label him, cornerback William Jackson, those are players who may not be household names but had big, big impacts on this team. And, you know, like— AJ Green, Gio Atkins, those were pillars of this franchise, basically since they were drafted. And, you know, Gio Bernard was that, like, super frustrating fantasy football player that, like, no everybody had on the roster at some point, but nobody wanted. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, like I said, Carl Lawson, William Jackson, they had really good seasons last year. And so those are big losses And I just talked about, like, who the Bengals chose to bring back, which wasn't much. So this is an interesting roster-building strategy here. Um, So who did they bring in? Well, you get tackle Riley Reef, and we certainly are familiar with him, having been on the Lions and then the Vikings. Edge Trey Hendrickson coming over from the Saints. You have cornerback Chidobe Uze, uh, cornerback Mike Hilton, who came from the Steelers, defensive lineman Larry Ogunjobi, cornerback Eli Apple, safety Ricardo Allen, Thaddeus Moss, Randy Moss's son, the tight end, who everybody's nice. clamoring for and then yes. when uh, ends up in Cincinnati for this year. Uh, and then a couple of smaller moves um, along the way, Kayvon Frazier, the safety, wide receiver Trent Taylor, linebacker Joe Bocchi, Bocci, Baki, I'm not even sure. He used to play at Michigan State. Um, but anyways, Reef is going to be one of the players who's going to try to keep Joe Burrow upright. That's the absolute number one most crucial thing for this franchise. But this defense quietly got a ton better. You know, you have Hendrickson coming over. And granted, I think they overpaid for the sack production, but... Um, that's going to be really helpful coming off the edge. Ogunjobi is a nice addition on that defensive line. And the atrocious secondary gets a ton of different faces. Uzi, uh, Eli Apple, they're experienced NFL corners. Uh, Ricardo Allen provides a veteran presence at safety. So I like what they did there. I think this defense got got significantly better. Uh, You'll probably talk about the offense in the draft a little bit.
2: Yeah, this Bengals class in the draft, they took a lot of shots, right? This is a pretty large class. They made a total of 10. selections starting in the first round with wide receiver jamar chase from lsu of course and then uh into the second round offensive tackle jackson carmen from clemson edge joseph asai in the third round um edge they doubled up on edge here cameron sample from tulane tyler shelvin from lsu uh Deonte smith from east carolina the tackle kicker Evan McPherson from Florida was your first specialist taken there in the fifth round Uh, center. Trey Hill from Georgia. Uh, Chris Evans from Michigan, the running back and defensive end Wyatt Hubert from Kansas state. So, I think the Bengals gained some serious talent in this draft. Tyler Shelvin in the fourth is going to be a really nice help for their run defense. I think Chris Evans in the sixth has a really nice chance to be that kind of steel late-round running back. He's an older prospect, but has been really, really special when he's been on the field for Michigan. But this entire draft is really going to come down to that decision that was made at number five overall with Jamar Chase overtaking a tackle because they took the tackle in the second round with Jackson Carmen. So they acknowledge the need, but if Joe Burrow gets beat up again, I bet you're wishing that you would have gone ahead and taken that tackle ahead of the wide receiver there in the first round when the talent's a little bit stronger. So we know that the skill position guys are always like shiny objects and guys like chase they're they're hard to pass up right for those big uglies instead. So uh, giving Burrow an arsenal of weapons, And Higgins, Boyd, and Chase, it's really, really fun. But we're going to have to kind of wait and see how this plays out in just a couple years for
3: those Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah, and, you know, first, the draft class. You know, obviously Jamar Chase looks like a really intriguing prospect. Jackson Carmen was... Um not my favorite tackle prospect, but certainly the Bengals like what they have there. I thought Osai was a, a bit of a steal there. There were a lot of people that liked Cameron sample, didn't really see it myself. I like Shelvin just like you mm-hmm. mentioned, that, yeah. that, you know, huge mammoth in the, the middle that's gonna prevent those teams. Um, from from running up the gut, uh, Chris Evans, just like you, really liked him a lot. I thought they got got some some nice flyers in the late round. Center Trey Hill, uh, Edge Wyatt Hubert, like those are some fun, intriguing late round guys. But just wanted to to ask you a little bit from a roster building standpoint. You know, so you take a wide receiver at five overall, which I don't love. Period. And then you take your tackle in the second round. Now, let's say the Bengals have decided to do the inverse. You have Penny Sewell sitting there. When you're on the clock, you take him at number five. And then in the second round, you could have gotten somebody like Rondale Moore, Dwayne Eskridge, Tutu Atwell, Terrence Marshall. Those are players that all went after Jackson Carman. Um, and I just felt like, you know, the drop off from somebody like, Chase to let's say his teammate, and then you still get that LSU familiarity with Terrace Marshall. Mm-hmm. To the the difference between Jackson, Carmen, and Penny Sewell is mm-hmm. is huge, and offensive line is your number one need. So I I mean, what did you think about them going wide receiver first? I don't want to just bash
2: the organization, but I really thought that the Bengals had a chance to kind of redirect the ship and the direction of this entire franchise because they had the opportunity to take Joe Burrow last year and they obviously they took that pick and then it feels like the Bengals just have a way of being stubborn sometimes I feel like in some ways when in their roster building and it feels like this year they kind of reverted back to that like I said taking the shiny object when the better pick is in front of them and I know that I think we agree that you and I The building through the trenches is really, really important. And obviously, last year, we saw Joe Burrow get hurt, and it just feels like, man, they may have missed an opportunity here. I'm with you. I understand, like, Rondell Moore is not the same kind of player as Jamar Chase. He's just a totally different—they might as well play different positions on the field. But Terrace Marshall is not— You could use those guys in similar ways. And when you already have Higgins and Boyd on the roster, I don't think you would have been abandoning your quarterback to a position group that was lacking talent by doing that. I really do think you give yourself a better chance by putting someone like Penny Sewell on this roster, but that's my personal opinion. We'll see it play out, uh, but that's probably where I'd sit. I'm curious your
3: thoughts on what you would have done with this. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't understand not taking the franchise tackle the the position is worth so much more. You get more longevity with offensive linemen than you do wide receivers, right? Mm-hmm. If 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 both turn out to be all pro players, Penae Sewell is going to be playing a lot longer than Jamar Chase. Yeah, I think you're going to get more bang for your buck in in you know the offensive lineman and just as prospects, the floor is a lot higher for Pene Sewell because worst case you slide him inside and he's an excellent guard. I I don't understand the the philosophy. It, it seemed to me like Joe Burrow dictated this pick, and if if that is the case, that's a very dangerous precedent to set. And like, I don't want to make this all about Aaron Rodgers all the time, but the whole idea that the Packers don't give him weapons is such a joke because the Packers may have had the best offensive line in the league last year, and. If if you're telling me that the offensive line isn't a weapon for mm-hmm. the quarterback, then we're talking about a different sport to me. Like, yeah. the offensive line being great makes Alan Lazard better. It makes Robert Tunyon better. It makes every single person on that field better, including Aaron Rodgers. And I think if you're the Bengals, you have to do absolutely everything that it takes to protect Joe Burrow, one but two, to provide him with the opportunity to feel comfortable and be his best self. And I don't I don't think they did. I, I don't know. I mean, I think their offensive line improved a little bit, maybe a lot a bit, but yeah. a lot from really bad isn't going to help. Yeah, and so, I mean, you're absolutely right. Time in the
2: pocket is a weapon. And I, we make fun of Mike McCarthy and Aaron Rodgers scrambling around for his life, making unbelievable plays over the years. But that was that that's a testament to that. Like the more time that Aaron Rodgers could create, whether it's his line doing it for him or his legs, his awareness, that time is money is valuable in the NFL. And so I'm with you. I think that that's probably one of the best things that they could have done is finding that for Joe Burrow. I think offensive tackle Jonah Williams probably factors into this. They took him in the 2019 draft. He's kind of played all over that line, and he spent some time hurt. So I'm sure they kind of feel like, well, we did that. Maybe we move him around. But, man, you really – Joe Burrow's got to be healthy, and he's got to be the franchise going forward. I don't want to be a naysayer and negative, but if I'm predicting, I would guess – that this is Zach Taylor's last year as the head coach in Cincinnati, and that they're hiring Joe Brady uh, to try to make this whole thing go again uh, next year. So we'll see. I'm not a big
3: fan of what Cincy's up to, but it's it's fun to watch nonetheless. So we'll go from a team that we didn't like what they did too much to a team that I have a feeling we will, at least I do, uh, and that is the Washington football team, uh, who at least for this season is sticking with the football team. Hopefully (laughs) past 2021, but that's just me. Um, Anyways, what they did in free agency, they re-signed, or more accurately, they franchise tagged guard Brandon Scherf. Uh, They re-signed quarterback Kyle Allen, kicker Dustin Hopkins, running back Lamar Miller, and a bunch of other guys that you don't want to hear about. So, you know, Brandon Scherf is the big deal, of course, but they are paying a guard big-time tackle money on this franchise tag. And, yes, he is one of the best in the league. But that's still a very steep price to pay for, for a guard. Uh, kicker Dustin Hopkins might be the next best re so that says a lot <laughs>
1: about <laughs> who was a
3: free agent for Washington and who they decided to bring back. But uh, let's take a look at who they lost. And so you have Edge Ryan Kerrigan, who went over to the rival Eagles, uh, linebacker Kevin Pierre Lewis, cornerback Ronald Darby, linebacker uh, or edge player Ryan Anderson, corner. Fabian Moreau, um, and linebacker Ruben Foster, linebacker Michael Kendricks. So there's certainly some big names there, but what did the footballers really lose? Well, yeah, you lose a franchise staple in Ryan Kerrigan, but they certainly didn't need him with the ridiculous depth, that pass rusher that they have on the team. Darby and Moreau are losses at corner, but I, you know, I think they're kind of replaceable players at this point, and and there's a plan in place to replace reuben foster and michael kendricks which we will get to in the draft that's on you um but i did want to talk about who they acquired in free agency as well obviously quarterback ryan fitzpatrick is going to be the big name uh but then you have cornerback william jackson who came over from the bengals who i mentioned he was a stud last year and, and really uh, could go a long way in replacing the two corners that, that I mentioned and actually be a big upgrade there. They also got wide receiver Curtis Samuel from the Panthers. And that's a really interesting move. Um, There's not a lot of other splashy names that they picked up in free agency. You know, I would say uh, tackle Charles Leno who they got from the bears after he was cut is interesting just because he's an experienced starting tackle in the NFL. And that's always valuable. Um, I think, you know, the the whole Curtis Samuel, and they signed uh, wide receiver Adam Humphreys as well. Adding that to Terry McLaurin um, and another wide receiver in the draft that Kyle will talk about is gonna make for a pretty fun wide receiver room.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
4: No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.
2: Yeah, and I think that, I mean, this is just going to be a fun football team in general, I think, to watch this year with Ryan Fitzpatrick and just kind of a... They're building for the future, but I don't think there's a lot of pressure around this organization. I think they're going to be able to play pretty loose, have some fun, and a lot of offensive weapons have been sprinkled in here. So uh, let's talk about that draft class a little bit. Washington left the draft with 10 players as well. So some big draft classes on the show today. Uh, Number one here in the first round, they took a uh, Jamin Davis, the linebacker out of Kentucky at number 19 overall. In the second round, they got tackle Samuel Cosme from Texas. Uh, Benjamin St. Just, the corner from Minnesota in the third. Diami Brown from North Carolina, again in the third at 82 overall. John Bates, the tight end from Boise State in the fourth. Uh, the fifth round, Derek Frost, the Cincinnati safety. Cameron Cheeseman, a long snapper from Michigan that was on a lot of Packers uh, fans' wish list, I guess, there in the 6th. And then we've got a slew of guys here in the 7th because you need all the 7th round picks you can get. Uh, William Bradley King, the edge. Sheikotomi, the edge from Penn State. And Dax Milne, the wide receiver from BYU. Quite a list of, of talent that they brought in here in the draft. This entire class feels very, very boomer bust to me, Andrew. And uh, Jamin Davis felt like a reach to me at 19. I guess if he's the next, you know, athletic, explosive linebacker, nobody's going to care where you took him. Uh, But felt a little rich there in the first. Samuel Cosme was great value to me in the middle of the second round, and he gives me Colton Miller or Jason Sprigg vibes, kind of that super athletic dude. If he puts it all together, he's a pro bowler, but he could just as easily be overmatched in the NFL when his athleticism isn't enough to put him over the top against these less athletic guys that he's faced throughout, I guess, the Big 12 there. So Ben St. Just is the definition of a boomer bust player. I think he was someone I thought maybe would have uh, Brian Gutekunst's attention, but he goes here to Washington, Diami Brown was a draft crush for much of Packers Twitter. I know Andrew and I uh, might have been the lowest on Brown among just about anyone in the draft community. But at 82, he is certainly a great value there as well. Um, And as Andrew mentioned, it will be really interesting to see how Brown mixes in with Scary Terry, Curtis Samuel. uh, Lots of big swings in this class. And I really think uh, three years from now, this will either be a home run run. Or, kind of, a strikeout kind of a draft for this Washington football team.
3: Yeah, it's, I, I think you summed that up really well with the boomer buzz. Jamin Davis was not a starter at this point last year, right? Yeah, like, he wasn't number one on the Kentucky depth chart. And that's, he Kentucky. talked about that too in some
2: interviews and just kind of like how he had to prove that he could be that guy. And like, obviously, he had a fantastic season and, you know, vaulted up draft boards, but he discussed that, like, hey, I haven't been the guy for very long. And that's, yeah. you know. It,
3: and if if you want a situation for him to succeed, playing behind the front four that, he, well, really, like the front six that Washington rotates in and out, um, that that is a recipe for success. But it will be really interesting to see how he does there. Um, you know, you mentioned Diami Brown. The reason why I didn't like him very much, and you and I had a lot of conversations both on and off the podcast about it, was He just seemed like a guy who was running nines all day, like all of his production was on deep balls. And sometimes it was just like uh, Sam Howell, the quarterback in North Carolina, would just chuck it up there. And the corners were like, nobody's throwing into this coverage and then he would just catch it. Uh Um, And I can't think of a better NFL quarterback to transition from from that kind of chuck it up. (laughs) <laughs> uh, and Ryan Fitzpatrick, that's yeah, going to be really yeah. fun. Um, so yeah, that, that'll be interesting. I do really like Derek Forrest, the safety they got in the fifth round. I thought their seventh round was really nice. Uh, you know, you get two edges, William Bradley King and Shaka Tony, both who, who have some upside there. Yeah. Um, and you know, they're going to be very rotational players if they make the team at all for this mm-hmm. team. So a, a chance to make an impact and, and learn there. uh, Dax Milne I think it's Milne or maybe Milne, yeah. I don't remember, out of BYU. He's a he's a fun, gadgety kind of uh wide receiver. So um we'll see how how that turns out. But yeah, definitely a really interesting set of additions to this team, which was, I thought, a little underrated last year. Yeah, they went seven and nine. I get I get it. Like you're a division <laughs> winner at seven and nine, nobody's gonna really take you seriously. But people forget that's where the Seahawks were right before they blew up that Mm -hmm. that, that was the the playoff year they made it at seven and nine and then there was the beast quake run where the seahawks upset the saints and the next year is when seattle really took off and this washington defense could be that good like they yeah i i i don't want to tip off anybody that i play fantasy football with but like if you don't take washington's defense number one you're doing it wrong that's a that I don't know. Is that a hot take? I haven't looked at a it's lot of. It's probably a hot take. I don't really. Uh, that's I, probably I have, a hot I've take. I haven't seen that, lot, lot. but
2: I don't think you're wrong. I think they have all the I pieces. It'll be interesting. The only thing is, if Ryan Fitzpatrick's chucking it up too much, uh, we may have a little bit of <laughs> offensive firepower going on. But really, like it is going to be interesting because Diami Brown, we talked about the nine routes, and that's kind of his nature. It seems. I know there was a lot of talk about. Um, the other wide receiver who is now escaping me. Uh, Curtis Samuel was going to be maybe more of an outside fixture for this team, but it it would seem that Diami may have a little bit more of a fit there and he may kind of be relegated to at least some kind of combo maybe back in the slot kind of a thing. So I just think this whole offense is going to be really interesting to watch and to see what they decide is the long-term direction because – it feels like the whole team is there, except for a quarterback of the future. So lots to watch here in Washington, lots of fun. And maybe maybe Fitz just sticks, and he's the guy there for a couple of years. You never know. Uh, we want to get into the Arizona Cardinals, Andrew? Let's do it. Okay, Arizona Cardinals doing some things this offseason free agency. We've got uh, re-signings with linebacker Tanner Vallejo, Marcus Golden, the outside backer, uh, we got punter. We like to get all these special teams guys in here. Andy Lee is back with the team. Uh, Kelvin <laughs> tackle Kelvin Beecham. I thought that said right tackle Kelvin Benjamin for a second, and I thought we <laughs> made a progression from wide receiver to tight end to tackle, but that has not happened. This is right tackle Kelvin Beecham. We've got offensive lineman Max Garcia, tight end Daryl Daniels, safety Chris. Banjo is out here as well, still hanging around, former Packer for you. Uh they signed some guys too, Andrew. They've got defensive linemen. You've got, you've heard of this guy before. Date JJ Watt is in the building there, breaking the hearts of Packers fans everywhere. Wide receiver AJ Green, cornerback Malcolm Bolt Butler, uh kicker Matt Prater guard Brian Winters, Sean Williams, the safety, and quarterback Colt McCoy all joining the Cardinals. Uh, they had some losses as well, players getting out the door. Hassan Reddick went to the Panthers. The linebacker, cornerback Patrick Peterson coming to the NFC North to play for the Vikings. Uh, defensive lineman Angelo Blackson is with the Bears now. Running back Kenyon Drake leaves for the Raiders. Wide receiver Trent Sherfield is with the 49ers. And tight end Dan Arnold, who's kind of a folk legend there in Arizona, is now with the Carolina Panthers. So to me, this might be this is kind of the ultimate boring offseason for the Cardinals. Really, really vanilla to me. I know that J.J. Watt was brought in, and that's a big deal on and off the field. I think that's absolutely true. But aside from that, I'm kind of falling asleep looking at the rest of these names. The guys who left were media. I would say, mediocre role players, especially at this point in their career. Not that they have always been that. Uh, but the guys they brought in are probably that same kind of player that fill that role. Patrick Peterson is on his way out, I think, in the league. And I think they'll get similar production from Malcolm Butler. They brought in A.J. Green. But as much as I love watching A.J. Green over his career, I do think he's cooked. I think he's done. And so I think outside of Watt, the Cardinals kind of shuffled the deck and came out with the same hand of cards that they had before. So I really do think it's up to their draft class here to be the thing that pulls them forward in this coming season.
3: Yeah. You know, and you and I talk about balance sheets a lot when it comes to these moves and yes, when he's healthy, JJ Watt certainly is a much better player than Hassan Reddick, but is JJ Watt going to give you the same level of production that Hassan Reddick did last year?
2: Yeah. that's
3: That's highly questionable. Is Malcolm Butler going to be an improvement on Patrick Peterson? I think at this point in their career, they're kind of similar. Both of them a little bit long in the tooth and, uh, you know, not particularly productive. You bring in AJ green, but then potentially you're losing Larry Fitzgerald. We don't know if Larry Fitzgerald is actually retired or not. This is a mystery to everyone. Um, But even, even so, like what does AJ green bring that, that Fitzgerald didn't plus they have a million wide receivers and like, Outside of those things, which sort of like equal out, they got Matt Prater, who's a good kicker. Yeah. So that's, that's their tiebreaker. I mean, yeah. Ugh, I don't know. <laughs> and I do like Dan Arnold, the tight end. I yeah, I, I, I thought he was gonna be a breakout candidate for this year. But um anyways, you mentioned the draft and and so the Cardinals um, at pick 16, took Zavin Collins, the linebacker, out of Tulsa. In the second round, they got Rondale Moore, the wide receiver slash offensive weapon from Purdue. Uh, then they didn't pick again until the fourth round, and they got Marco Wilson, the corner, from Florida. In the sixth, they had two picks, an edge from Duke, Victor DeMukeje. I, th- I think that's how you pronounce it. Uh, <laughs> and corner, Tay Gowan from UCL. F, that's Central Florida. Uh, and in the seventh round, they had two picks, James Wiggins, the safety from Cincinnati and Michael Manet, the center from Penn State, which, you know, to me, eh, you know, they only had two picks in the top 135. And so, you know, what you look at is, well, Zayvon Collins is a fun athlete, but this is a team who should stop drafting fun athletes at linebacker because it took them four years to figure out how to use Hassan Reddick, and then they just let him leave. And they just drafted Isaiah Simmons, who they clearly didn't know how to use last year. So you add in the mysterious traffic arrest that like nobody's saying anything about. Super weird. Like I don't know if there's more to this investigation or if the Cardinals are just keeping their cards close to their vest. Um, but... Uh, <laughs> It, exactly. it makes me wonder a little bit about Stephen Collins and then Rondale Moore, super fun athlete, but that wide receiver room just mm-hmm. absolutely jam packed. And like, are they going to cut Andy and Isabella to keep Rondale Moore? And how much of an improvement is that really? Like, probably if he's healthy a lot, but we don't know. And Merkel Wilson was a really intriguing athlete that I thought would go in like the sixth or seventh round just based off of his measurements. But they took him in the fourth round. Seems a bit rich to me. Uh, you know, I, I actually did like Tay Gowen, the corner. Uh, James Wiggins, the safety from Cincy, I was really high on. Um, Manet, the the center from Penn State, he seems fun, like maybe a potential upside kind of guy. I This draft class doesn't really move the needle for me much.
2: Yeah, I think Wiggins in the seventh is someone that like I was pretty excited about, um, kind of in that fourth fifth round probably so I think that they got some value there but the biggest disappointment here for me again we talk about Jamin Davis you know kind of reaching for these linebackers trying to get that next guy that's going to impact your defense fine like they did it we talked about it we don't need to exhaust the the idea that maybe maybe they should stop taking linebackers but the biggest disappointment here for me not for the Cardinals is Rondell Moore not because he's not a packer. But because I would have loved to see him in a Sean McVay offense or a Matt LaFleur offense or maybe with the Jets with, with Mike LaFleur or something where I felt like he was going to be used a little bit more to fit his skill set. I'm a little bit concerned about the way that they may use him here in Arizona. I'm sure he's going to get some work out of the backfield. I'm sure he's going to get used, you know, on some on some stuff that takes him deeper. I'm worried about maximizing that intermediate area of the field that I just feel like he'd be so much better in a different offense, but he's a talented player. They loved him. They took him and that's like, you know, he'll, he'll thrive out there. I'm sure, but wish he was in a little bit different setting.
3: When they line Rondale Moore up in the backfield, Kyler Murray and Rondale Moore smallest backfield in NFL <laughs> history, right? Oh my gosh. Yeah. They're probably sure. the same size. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the, the defensive but, but linemen like, are going to be electric. like
2: electric are there is there anybody back there they're going to be like peering <laughs> over the
3: offensive line like that's crazy uh, yeah and so you i mean if you get a really good year out of Chandler Jones and JJ Watt up front certainly um with the athletic linebackers and Isaiah Simmons and now Isaiah Van Collins that that holds up pretty well you have uh, Byron Murphy at corner. You have Buda Baker at safety. This defense has the potential to be pretty good. Will this offense be consistent? And, yeah. and like as somebody who was a Kyler Murray owner in fantasy football last year, he really fell off a cliff in the second half of the season. And a lot of that was due to injury. And, you know, that's something when you have diminutive size, And you're going to have the ball in your hands as much as Kyler Murray does. Even though he takes good care of himself, you're going to get banged up a little bit. And so that, you know, so much of the offense hinges on Kyler Murray. And um, they need to find a way to take some of that pressure off and stop getting him hit so much. So. Um, anyways, th- this is going to be matchups uh, for the Packers in Week 5, 7, and 8. Uh, week 5, as I mentioned, at Cincinnati. That's going to be a Sunday afternoon game on October 10th. Week 7 is going to be another Sunday afternoon matchup, this time on October 24th, with the Washington football team coming to Lambeau Field. And in Week 8, a Thursday night game, October 28th, at Arizona. That one will be fun. Um, so, you know, you had those two in a span of four or five days, right? Uh, yep. The Washington football team at Lambeau, then traveling to the West Coast at Arizona. Um, but I would say all three of these games, winnable. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> the, <laughs> the great, great analysis. I, I we will win uh, the games. <laughs> yeah. You know, the, and, and we've talked about this. You know, just being honest, right? We all hope Aaron Rodgers is back. If Aaron Rodgers is back, these are three games you expect to win. I think the Washington game will be difficult. At Arizona is probably the mo- most difficult yeah. just because of the road factor. Um, so they're not gimme games, but they're they're ones that you expect to win when you're a favorite in the NFC. If Jordan Love is the quarterback, I think the, these the the Washington and the at Arizona game become a little bit more of an mm-hmm. even playing field, yeah. and so. Um, certainly, we'll be watching for that. and and we'll be scouring um, you know, the Twitter feed to to find out in the next couple of weeks what is going on with Aaron Rodgers. But, that is all the time that we have for today. This has been the Packer the Podcast. You can find Kyle on Twitter at Packer underscore Pundit, and you can find me at Andrew Mertig. Please subscribe and, and consider giving us a five-star rating uh, if, if you're a regular listener or if you're just discovering us. But you can catch Kyle and myself every single Friday. And next week, we'll be back to continue our conversation on the Packers' 2021 opponents. Thanks for listening. And as always, remember... Go Pack Go!